0: Welcome back to the Mind Your Home podcast. I'm your host, Mia Danielle. I am really excited to talk about today's subject, which is kind of funny, like how excited I am to talk about when you hate your place. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a very positive or uplifting episode, but I have so much to say about this topic. In fact, I have three different general thoughts on when you just really hate where you live when you walk in the door and you just immediately kind of cringe because you don't you don't like it it doesn't look the way you want it to it doesn't you know it just maybe you're in a bad neighborhood just whatever whatever the situation is there are times for some of us at least we go through times where we don't necessarily love the place we live and it can be really hard to look past that so here's the first the first idea the first of these three thoughts I'm going to share with you today First of all, where you live is a lot less important than how you live there. So kind of mull on that for a second. Like, what do, I, what do I mean exactly how you live there? So where you live, it's just it's a lot less important than how you live there. So if your home feels insignificant because you know, it's small, or it's not upgraded, or it's just a starter, it's good to know that how you live there can actually change the way you feel about those things. Any space can be created to evoke certain emotions, certain types of energy, any space, any space can be made to provide this private haven that you're looking for, even if like looking at it right now doesn't necessarily feel like that. So, you know, this first idea is that, you know, you can kind of create and, and do that whole nesting thing that we humans tend to do inside of our spaces and create the intentional emotions and energies that you want, regardless of whether it's, quote, the ideal situation. So I've lived in all kinds of places, but I still infused a little bit of me into every single one of them. The first house that I rented was, it was all I could afford, I was a college student. I was super pregnant at the time, and myself and my new husband were like really young, early twenties. Um, we rented this this little white house that had enough bedrooms for us and the baby that was going to come. But it was, you know, it was a cheaper, cheaper house. We're looking at like I don't know, probably in the six hundred something dollar a month range, and it had the wood paneling on all of the walls. I don't know what your living situation is. But for me, that's like the ultimate sadness is when you walk into a home and there's just wall to wall wood paneling. And this, you know, this was going to be my and it wasn't even that I owned the home so I could tear the walls out. I rented the home. So I was kind of left to work with what I had in that situation And, you know, later on, we found out that there must not have been a very solid foundation because you could actually hear critters underneath the wood floor. Like if I dug a hole or drilled a a little hole inside my wood flooring, I'm sure that I could have at some point seen an animal down there because I think that that was the only level that was really separating us from the outside world. So that was that was my my home, my first home experience, even though it wasn't a purchased home, it was a rented home. I was out on my own. I was pregnant, you know, I was with my new husband. This was, this was our first experience at life outside of mom and dad's or a college campus. So we made the best of it. This was going to be my home. This was going to be where my, you know, like it or not, this was my situation. This is where my daughter's nursery was going to be. And damn it, I was going to make it the best possible situation that I could with what I had to work with. You know, so we got out there, we mowed the overgrown lawn, kind of decorated the the yard to look to where it was. It felt nicer. We, um, I painted all of the wood paneling in the house, which actually works pretty well. So there's a solution. If any of you are stuck in wood paneling or you're not able to take it down, the uh, the owner never complained about it because it actually looked better than it did before. But we painted all of the wood paneling, hung up some pictures, you know, brought in some furniture. We we decorated it and we made it our own at that time. And it was it was a comfortable, safe place for me to be. And that you know, I'm so happy like remembering and thinking back to where I was then obviously where I am now and looking around, it's like, you know, really makes you feel grateful. Most of the time when I just get that, that wave of gratitude, it's not necessarily that I'm sitting there and listing off all the things that I like, my favorite, you know, my favorite blanket and oh, I'm so grateful that I get to have coffee. When I really get those waves of gratitude, it's thinking about where I used to be and being like, oh, thank God I'm not there anymore. You know, now I'm here. Now I feel good in my space. But at that time, that's what I had. And so I worked with what I had. And, you know, I I don't remember, like when I remember back to that time period of my life, it's not necessarily negative memories that I think of. It's not like, oh, everything was just so blah and disgusting then, you know, that's that's where i was pregnant with my first child that's where she was born her first place we got pictures of her being a baby you know we made the best of that situation and even today it's not viewed as something that's that's horrible or negative but i'm definitely still at the same time like very grateful so wherever you are it doesn't necessarily obviously mean that you'll be there forever like you, you'll probably go through multiple upgrades in your lifetime but you can still work with exactly where you are, and work on building up that energy, that positivity, so that you'll start drawing better stuff into you. Okay, so that kind of brings me to to point number two, which is do your research. Because a lot of times, it's not necessarily that we have to stay where we are. We just have these mental blocks telling us that, well, this is the way things are. I can't, obviously, I can't just go out and buy a house right now. You know, and it's funny, because Matt and I had this exact same conversation or yeah, exact same conversation right before we bought the condo that we're living in now. This place that I just I absolutely love this condo. I I feel it feels like me, you know? Like where every window is, the furniture, all the placements it just feels like me and feels like home. But for 3 years We all lived in like a two to three bedroom apartment. We lived in a two bedroom a while. We moved up to a three bedroom still in the same complex and they looked pretty much exactly the same and it was a much smaller place and we all shared one bathroom between the four of us. It was me, Matt, and two kids, and we were all sharing one bathroom. Probably when I think about where we are currently in this condo, that's probably the first thing that we're like, "Oh, thank God we've got three bathrooms!" Because sharing one bathroom with two tween girls and a uh, you know adult female and male was just uh, was the worst. But when we were living in that apartment, we would you know, have these conversations about, well, what are our plans for the future? How long do you think it would take for us to save up to be able to get a house? And it just seemed like this whole fictitious future thing. Like we couldn't even really, we felt like, without doing any research, we felt like it was something that wasn't even worth like getting out a pen and pad and writing down how we were going to get to the point where we could buy a house. Because obviously, In the place that we live, like where we live in this Portland, Oregon area, the places are really expensive. So like a nice house is going to cost you more than a quarter of a million. You know, it's going to cost a lot of money for the classic you know, three bedroom brick family home, it's going to it's gonna cost a lot. And then, you know, and from our point of, of mind, you know, we need to put down a certain percentage. They expect you to put down a certain percentage of the house, but well, we don't have like $30,000 or $50,000 or, you know, however much we would need. We don't just have that sitting around. So obviously, this is something that may absolutely never happen. So, One day, Matt and I were having this conversation, and I've mentioned this story before, probably in another podcast episode, but we were doing our monthly balancing our finances like we always do, and he came in, which is one of my pet peeves, and I've mentioned this before too, is when people feel, like, get this defeated look about them. It really fires me up. It gets me, like, on the, you know, not necessarily on the offense, but it gets me on the go. Like, no, we are not defeated. We're going to, you know, so he came in, and he just had this defeated look on his face, And was like, you know, I just don't think that we're ever going to be able to buy a house. You know, maybe when the kids are grown, we can change some things up with our finances. And I just don't think I don't see how this is even possible. And I got a little bit of that fire in me. (laughs) And I looked at him and I said, you know what? We don't even know what would be involved in buying a house. We've done absolutely zero research. We haven't spoken to a lender to find out what we would actually need to put down. We haven't spoken to a real estate agent. We haven't looked at any of the houses in the area ourselves to really take this to the next level of possibilities. We don't even know like how many years it would take us to get to that point because we've never done any of the preliminary research. We just assume that this is all we can do. And you know what? You're right because if we don't do any research, if we don't inform ourselves of this, then you're right. We're just going to stay here forever because that's the way it works. So the very next day, you know, I kind of got him on board with my little speech. The very next day, we reached out to a friend of his who is a realtor. Um, You know, he recommended that we call and speak to some lenders first, kind of see where we stand. So we spoke to a lender, a couple of lenders actually, and we found out like within one to two days that we actually could be approved. For a loan for a home or a condo or, you know, something. We, we actually could potentially be approved for something. And by the end of that week, we were pre-approved for a substantial amount of, you know, money, like enough money that we would be able to get something that's decent, that's not like a rundown shack somewhere. So, you know, we were like, wow, you know, we had no idea. We would not have even considered looking at these places on Zillow or wherever, because we would have just naturally automatically assumed that no, we just can't do this. Okay. So we informed ourselves. And sometimes like whether it's you hate your job, you hate your house, you hate some kind of situation. I had a um, 2004 GMC envoy that was my grandmother's, who is, since passed, but um, it's it's been in the family for a long time. I myself drove it for about 6 or 7 years. Yeah, at least 6 or 7 years. And it was it was starting to run down and had like over 110,000 miles on it and occasionally it would just power off on me out of nowhere, like I'm just reversing or driving down the highway and then the power just goes off and I have to restart the car. So it started doing things like that and we knew it was near the end of its life but we're like, you know, it was the same situation. We're just like, well, obviously, we can't afford a car right now. So we'll just let's keep trying to fix this one up. And eventually, it went kerplunk. And we were told by many people that it's trade in time, like, this vehicle is not going to operate for you anymore, unless you are looking at spending multiple 1000s of dollars. So I mean, for years, I had been like dreaming of, okay, well, the next car that I get later on down the line, when that happens, the next car I get is going to be a Mini Cooper, because I think those are so fine. They're so cute with their little, you know, special big eyeballs in the front of the car. And I don't know, it, it has a lot of personality that car does. So, uh, you know, so later on in the future, well, of course, when my car died. Well, now it's looking like the next car that I'm going to get is going to be like a couple thousand dollar piece of junk on the side of the road, most likely, because we're not really looking to change our finances. We did the research. You know, actually, it looks like I actually could get the car that I wanted. So what did I do? I went out. I got my Mini Cooper. We named him Ollie. And I love it because... It's, I mean, that's the space that I'm in when I'm not at home. When I'm not at home, I'm driving to the store. I'm driving to, uh, you know, to work with people. I'm driving to do different things. And that's like my mobile home, essentially, is my car. And I'm so happy, so excited when I walk downstairs and I see little Ollie sitting in the garage. And it just it brings a smile to my face. Now, obviously, I talk a lot about minimalism. So I'm not saying that belongings bring happiness. That's not where we're going here. I'm talking about doing the research when you think that you have this block or this limiting belief that I just can't, I just can't or things are the way they are. So the status quo must remain um, to take that first step. The very first step is to inform yourself. Look up things, get information, talk to people. It doesn't it doesn't have to be scary. It's not like you're committing to anything. You're not jumping off the bridge just because you reach out and put your feelers out a little bit. A lot of people will spend years at a job that they hate, surrounded by coworkers that they can't stand, and inside of them they probably have this potential to do these wonderful things that make them happy, but being stuck in that status quo and refusing to even consider the possibility of something different, consider it just enough to look outside of that and do just a little bit of research without committing, just a little bit of research. I mean, that can change the whole trajectory of your life. It can change your level of happiness and it just requires you pulling yourself out of that limiting blockage, that limiting belief and saying, well, what if? Well, Well, let's just check it out. Let's do a little bit of research, right? I will say that your space matters so much that it's worth at very least informing yourself. Okay, so here's the third thought or idea that I have about this topic. And it's very similar to the first one that we talked about, which was, you know, how you live is more important than where you live. Where you live is a lot less important than how you live there. Well, this one is a little more focused on the aspect that wherever you go, there you are. Okay, your misery may have a lot more to do with you and how you're living. It may actually be you that's making you miserable. We've all known that person, right? Okay, so I have a specific unnamed person in mind who used to just oh they they hated the house that they lived in so much and they would say it all the time like oh I hate this place I hate walking in the door I feel like it's making me physically ill just being inside of it and it was like an ongoing thing for years they just they hated the place but you know like in the back of my mind and we've probably all known this person I was thinking you can move a million times and you're still going to feel the exact same way that you feel now I mean how many of you know somebody and maybe you are this person who is always saying, well, if just this, I need to just change this. And you're just thinking, you know, like, I need to get rid of this toxic relationship. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking why so you can exchange it for another one, you know, because it's these habits, it's these behaviors that are on cycle. So if you're constantly miserable, inside of your space, and it's just bringing you down, and you're feeling depressed, would it actually change if you were in a different location? And I've seen this happen, like with family members or friends who they do upgrade and they move to a big, beautiful house and everything is great. And then they just end up trashing that place out, you know, and it looks just like the previous place. It may be bigger and nicer, but the vibes and stuff that you get when you're inside are still the same as the previous place and the person is still miserable. And it really had nothing to do with, with the house or the structures around them, because, like I said, and and you know, the first thought that I had about the the first concept that uh, that you can create any space to be what you need it to be. You can create any space to give you that private haven, that sanctuary that you know, give you the energy that you need when you're inside of it to make you feel comfortable and secure. You can do that really with any space, but if you're in a space and you do constantly feel miserable, it's worth. It's worth doing a gut check and asking yourself, what would change if this situation changed? If, if I were in a different home, if I were to move to a different city, maybe everything would change. Maybe it really is the house. Maybe it's really the people that you're surrounded yourself with there or, you know, the, the environment that you're in there that if you were to uproot or to move or, you know, to change that environment that it would fix everything. I totally believe in that. Uh, and I've done that myself at different times in my life when I felt like I was just in a rut or I was surrounded by people that just weren't the right people for me um, and moving allowed me to kind of start fresh and to meet new people and, and you know, changes the, the vibes inside of my space and all of that good stuff. But there's also the possibility that that toxic environment, that the feelings that you're getting from it, that the status of your space at all, I mean... If all of your drawers and closets and everything is cluttered, this this is one thing that that kind of I don't know it it shocks me. How <laughs> People don't really realize this, but they'll move houses. They'll they'll start at a house that they say, God, I hate. I don't have enough room for all of my stuff. All the storage is just cram packed. Look at this place; it's a mess. It's gross. I've got all of this random junk just garbled up in a drawer. I can barely shut the drawer. I need to move. And then they box up the exact same stuff. It was in that previous house and they take it all with them. They move and they take it all with them. And then within a month, the new place looks just like the old place. Now, that's not just true of toting your clutter with you, which is something I'll have to talk about in a whole other lesson because moving should be a wonderful opportunity to get rid of the stuff instead of just toting it with you from place to place. That just doesn't make any sense. That blows my mind. But, But more so, wherever you go, there you are. So, you know, who are you bringing with you? What are you contributing to this space that you hate to this miserable space? What what activity not activity, but behaviors or mindsets is generally where it is, it all stems from your mind, you, you get in these habits, you think you're worth a certain amount, you get these ideas and identities about you, and then you live those out. You have these beliefs, these stories, how you view yourself, and then you just live that out continuously on a daily basis. Well, if you moved houses, who are you bringing with you? What version of yourself are you bringing with you? And is that person going to feel the exact same way that they are here? Are they going to recreate the exact same situation, the exact same living environment that you have right here? Because how you live is a lot more important than where you live. So hopefully this is all food for thought. If any of you listening are struggling with the whole, well, I hate my space dilemma, or like, I don't even want to invest in fixing this space up because I hate it, you know, hopefully, these three thoughts together can help you to make whatever changes are necessary in order to feel differently about your space, whether that's Adapting to your space and like reevaluating how you're living in it, how you're viewing it, what what you're doing within it to make it give you what you want, or whether it's a matter of you needing to break down some blocks and go out and get some more information and change the situation that you're in currently. So whether your hang up, if this is you, happens to be one of I need to transform my space, then I recommend you start with my four step decluttering checklist, which I will link below in the show notes. And if you feel that your your hang up, which almost always is like everybody can benefit from this, actually, uh, is more of a mental thing you know, like mentally you're holding on to stuff. Mentally you're having trouble with creating the space that you want. Then I recommend you start with my free audio training series that's all about helping you to create a clutter-free mind. So this is kind of, it's like a good exercise for you to go through that kind of helps to change the way that you're viewing your space and change the way that you're interacting with it. So anyway, both of those are totally free. I'm going to put them both down in the show notes. So if this is you, you know, take some action. Nobody should be miserable every day. Nobody should come home and hate being at home every day. That's the saddest thing in the world. So I will catch you back next week. If you haven't left a review over on Apple Podcasts, then go do so now. That helps people to be able to find me and find this podcast. You have a great day and I'll catch you next week.